And after getting into a lot of the Jack Jones stuff yesterday, we have a real off-season show for you guys today. So we're going to turn it over for you guys a bit for a Q&A in the chat. And then we're going to talk about some trade stuff. We mentioned it yesterday, some of the surplus and shortage positions around the league. And then with all this Kristop stuff, it looks like we're going to close with the Boston Sports Minute now. So we will get into that. I see a lot of you talking about it in the chat. But so, Alex, where do you kind of want to start with this? We'll start with the trade stuff. Where do you want to take that from there? Um, yeah, I'm kind of get, just, just getting reacclimated here again. Sorry, I was 985sportshub.com. Up to uh, the up-to-date updates on everything with Porzingis, which is why I was late. But we did something yesterday, Brian. We, we briefly touched on this, and I just thought it might be a fun exercise to get the state of the league right now. We were talking about the Patriots maybe trading for a corner, maybe trading for a tackle, what's going on at wide receiver. And I, you know, I called back to last year where we all thought for sure the Patriots were trading Isaiah Wynn because he's in last year's deal. It looked like he might not end up in the starting lineup. He seemed disgruntled. And could they trade uh, Wynn? to get help elsewhere on the roster. We knew they needed a receiver. We knew they needed a couple positions. They didn't end up trading him. And kind of the reports behind that were basically they knew if they lost him, they were in big trouble and there just weren't enough tackles. There wasn't enough tackle talent available in the league. Teams were too desperate um, to hold on to tackles for them to make that deal. So I thought we'd apply some of that forward uh, here, Brian, and we can kind of figure out the metric, how we want to do it. Just go off top of our heads. We can use the all pro team, whatever, but at certain positions, the Patriots need, and maybe we can do other positions just for fun. Is there a shortage of players at that position in the NFL right now? Is there a surplus? I, I think we always just assume that, all right, there's 32 starting caliber quarterbacks in the NFL. There's, 64 starting caliber corners because you have one on each side, right? 32 starting caliber centers, 64 starting caliber tackles and on and on and on. It doesn't necessarily work that way. It's kind of crazy to think about. There are less than 32 people on this planet who can play quarterback at the NFL level or the one I normally use. You can play kicker at the NFL level. So I thought we might just have some fun off the top. Look at some of the positions and, and there's no right or wrong answer. This is all opinion. But just look at some of the positions that are out there right now and, you know, figure it out. Is there a surplus? Is it a buyer's market? Is it a seller's market? Is there a shortage? So I think we start at tackle because that's where this conversation began. And I don't know, has there been a massive influx of tackles into the league since last year? I don't think so. It, it was a top heavy tackle draft. It wasn't a deep tackle draft at all. You see a guy like DJ Fluker having a chance to rejoin the league. I think that that tells you everything. I think you could say it's sh certainly a shortage of tackles uh, in the NFL right now. Yeah, I'd agree there, especially with the whole, like you just said, you look last year with Isaiah Wynn and what was it like just three or four in the first round this year? It was, I think it was, it was four. It was the top 100. Let me pull it up. It was the Robert top 100 Jones, that there wasn't a lot. Yeah. Paris Johnson. I don't know where you count. Um, the Northwestern kid, I want to say. Well, I think even if you count Karansky as a tackle, there were four in the first round and five, six, just seven in the top 100. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not a lot at tackle. That's really not a lot. So. 
So yeah, right. I definitely put that in the in the shortage department because even you look at a team we briefly talked about this yesterday with Jonah Williams in Cincinnati, a guy that maybe they don't want to pay, but they're still like, we need to keep him because tackles are hard to get. And if we lose one, we need a quality body there at least because they have these Super Bowl aspirations right now with Joe Burrow on a rookie deal. So it's any amount of talent you can get at that position. I mean, you look at the Patriots just throwing darts with a 33-year-old Riley Reef hoping to get a full season out of him would be un- unbelievable at this point. But, yeah, that position, I'd say, certainly is in the shortage category. Right. I, I mean, I see Jonah Williams a lot. The reality is, what are you giving the Bengals? The Bengals are in win-now mode. They're trying to win a Super Bowl this year. They want to make sure that they're going to win it this year. What are the Patriots giving the Bengals that gives them a better chance to win the Super Bowl this year? First-round pick doesn't fit that. The Bengals don't really want a first-round pick right now. It doesn't do them any good. And honestly, if you're the Patriots, I wouldn't give that up. Even with Jonah Williams, that still might be a top 20 pick. And you might need a quarterback next year. So that doesn't help. You're going to give them Devontae Parker? I, I don't, you know, they have T. Higgins. What, what exactly is Devontae Parker doing? And, and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd as well. But I'm just saying stylistically, they have a guy at that role on the field. That's not going to change anything. The Bengals aren't looking at Jonah Williams as saying, oh, we have a tradable ass that we can build for the future. The Bengals are looking at Jonah Williams and saying, even if we lose one of our tackles, we are still in very good shape. Uh, if something happens that we can still play, we can still have high, uh, high caliber offensive line play, offensive tackle play. So I think that pretty much sums up uh, the tackle position. All right, running back. Where are you at with running back? Is there a surplus of running backs in the league? Is there a shortage of running backs in the league? Or is it 32 starting caliber running backs and we're good? I'd go surplus. I think... I mean, like Dalvin Cook's a free agent right now, right? And no one really wants to pay him big money. I, like, and like receiver could be kind of that same thing with DeAndre Hopkins. But I think there's so many quality running backs. I mean, you look at just the Patriots, they could be rolling in next year with a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, and a veteran Ty Montgomery. And that could probably be enough to get through the season. So I'm in one of those, like, don't draft a running back in the first round crew. I think you can always find – quality bodies there in the later rounds of the draft so there's i'd go surplus there i'm i'm with you i and and some of this is just the nature of the league right now but that you don't need to try hard to add a running back you nobody's desperately trying to add running backs a guy like dalvin cook gets cut leonard fournette kareem hunt ezekiel elliott are all still free agents that you can't tell me that there's not enough running backs in the NFL right now. So I, I think that position is absolutely a surplus. How about corner Patriots might need a corner. This one I, I, is kind of interesting. Do you think, you know, how, how many true starting corners are in the NFL right now? Is it enough? I'd probably lean shortage, but I mean, who would be uh, a Kudba yesterday? We talked about like CJ Henderson. It's like a lot of these teams when they're trading for someone, it's like, a former first round pick top prospect that clearly their career hasn't been going well because they're getting traded for fifth, sixth round picks, pick swaps. So I think it's in that shortage area where sometimes you just need to get a guy in a new system and, and, and see if it helps or if it's. So this one's interesting and maybe I'm moving the goalposts on my own a little bit on my own question a little bit with this one. But if you're talking about true shutdown, Number one, 
blanket mm. corners. I think there are certainly fewer than there generally have been in the league. You go back like 10 years ago, you had a whole bunch of guys from Revis to, I mean, to leave. I'm just, the guys are on top of my head because of the Patriots, but let me actually pull up real quick. The, the 2012 all pro team. It just jogged my, my memory here. Yeah. Sherman, uh, champ Bailey was still in the league at that point, playing an all pro level. Like you had a bunch of those lockdown guys. How many of those true lockdown guys are in the league right now? Patrick Sertan, Jair Alexander, maybe sort of, right, <laughs> maybe sort of Stephon Gilmore. Like there's definitely not as many true lockdown corners, but I think the overall depth, you don't see as many teams putting like the Hank Poteets of the world yeah. out there anymore. Like I think there's enough depth to fill out a depth chart with capable players. It also doesn't help that, uh, and I will get to wide receivers in a second, but the wide receiver talent has kind of exploded. So in terms of getting a number one, there's definitely a shortage. And this goes back to something else we talked about yesterday. If the Patriots did not draft Christian Gonzalez, they would be screwed right now because Jack Jones would have been the number one boundary corner. He would have been. They would be in massive trouble right now if they had not drafted Christian Gonzalez. They have their number one. But if they need to go get another guy to just fill out the depth, I don't know who's going to be available for trade. We'll get into that more like once camp gets going on and we see some position battles shake out. And there are some free agents. I wrote about them today on 98.5thesportsup.com. But I, I, I think that there's there's a I, – I wouldn't call it a surplus, but it's definitely not a shortage of cornerback kind of talent ground. in the NFL right now. Yeah, it's kind of in the middle ground. Shortage of like elite top-end like talent. Like lacks top-end talent, but it's good depth. Like right. behind it almost. So like – the top, if you were to take the top 10 corners in the NFL right now in the top 10 corners in the NFL 10 years ago, I would, it maybe we can pull up the list. If you want to do this experiment, I would guess the 10 Back from then. 10 years ago would be better. You want to, I hate using the pro bowl for this, but you kind of have to, do we want to use that as a gauge? Sure. This year's pro bowl. All right. You pull up, you pull up this year's I'll pull up 2012 and we'll see what we get. This is what happens when I accidentally start the show without us talking. <laughs> that's a that's a first, is, by the way. This is an off-season show, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, what do you got? We got Patrick Sertan, Sauce yep. Gardner, Jalen Ramsey, Jair Alexander, Darius Slay, Trayvon Diggs, Xavier Howard, Marlon Humphrey, and Tariq Wollin. That's actually not a bad group. Yeah, that's not a bad group. But here's what I have for 2012: Darrell Revis, Champ Bailey, Jonathan Joseph. Charles Woodson, Carlos Rogers, Charles Tillman, Brandon Browner. It's a pretty good group. Yeah. And I, I know off the top of my head, this is why I hate using Pro Bowl because so many guys opt out. Yeah, it's tough. Um, you go the year before, Nandi Ozumwa, Darrell Rivas, Champ Bailey, Devin McCourty. Who, <laughs> yeah. Asante Samuel, Charles Woodson, D'Angelo Hall, Antoine Winfield, Brett Grimes. I just think that group 10 years ago is a little bit better. Yeah. So that's, that's all right. Wide receiver. Do you think there's a surplus at wide receiver, a shortage or neutral? I'd go surplus. Kind of that same thing with running backs. Like you don't have teams lining up at the door to pay DeAndre Hopkins right now. Right. Like there's right. kind of same with corner. There's a really good list of elite number ones and really there's a lot of really good twos and threes in the league today now. And, I mean, you look in New England, they have Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker at two, three, Tyquan Thornton at four. Like, 
I think there's really good top end talent and really good depth around the league. Yeah, it's just got to make its way to New England. Yeah, that's. It. I know it doesn't feel like it from our point of view, but I I definitely think there is a surplus of wide receiver talent in the NFL right now. I think that's all the positions that like we're focused on for the Patriots. Uh, one more safety. Do you think there's a surplus or shortage of safety talent in the NFL right now? Hmm, I probably lean surplus. I think there are some good safeties today. So. I think this is a weird one just because the the position of safety has changed so much. There's a, and I guess I should have broken this up before I asked you, there is a surplus of strong safety as there is a shortage of free safeties. Yeah. Every safety now is coached as a box safety because teams are playing so much cover four or just, you know, keeping things uh, simple on the back end that, Guys aren't being asked to play center field. Guys aren't being asked to play single high or things like that. So that's not how they're coming into the league. They're coming in the league all as box safeties who can maybe play deep if you need them to. So we're kind of seeing this with the Patriots right now. They're sort of having to adapt their defense because they've been based on a true free safety for so long with Devin McCourty. And you're there's not you're not going to get another Devin McCourty. He his skill set is kind of dated. He was a bit of a dinosaur at the end of his career there, which sucks because I love players like that. I don't know how many more of them we'll see, but he was a bit of a dinosaur. So I'd like to see that role come back. I just don't think the way the position is trending, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. What do you think about tight end? Because I don't know if this is. Ooh, that's a good one. So, yeah, I wanted to just do some other positions. Because I don't know if this is from like a fantasy football aspect, but it always feels like. Whoever has Travis Kelsey in fantasy football has like such a good advantage. But then you look at it and it's like teams aren't lining up to pay Mike Gesicki and Dalton Schultz. And there is a really good tight end draft class this year that we are all aware of. So what like where where do you where do you lie on that one? So I think that there's definitely a surplus of tight ends right now. Like you said, that just the market told us that the way Gesicki and Dalton Schultz are handled as free agents this offseason. But yeah, I, I think it's just for me. I, this is why I hate fantasy. From a yeah. fantasy <laughs> point of view, Travis Kelsey is just so far above and beyond what any other tight end is going to give you. Spoiler alert, it's because he's really wide receiver. Yeah. But <laughs> I I no, there's definitely a, a surplus of tight ends in the league right now. Again, something that I guess has now made its way to New England. It, it hadn't for a couple of years, and maybe there was a shortage of tight ends. I, I think we're just coming out of a shortage into a surplus at the tight end position. Cause you go back. <laughs> yeah. You go back four or five years ago. There really wasn't, I, I don't think as much tight end talent. How many of these guys maybe weren't drafted in the last few years, but have emerged in the last few years. Uh, you know, George Kittle's one where he obviously was in the league for a little bit before he truly became this guy that he is TJ Hawkinson kind of came along a little bit. Dalton Schultz was a late developing player. You see this at this position, frankly, a lot. I, I think we're sort of just coming out of a tight end shortage into a surplus. Yeah, that's um, a good way to say it. What other what other positions haven't we done? Uh, pass rushers, definitely pass rusher surplus. Yeah. I think there's as many good pass rushers in the NFL right now as there's ever been. And it's kind of crazy when you think about the way things are schemed and, and the way offenses are playing. But I think, that, you know, the, the pass rush group right now is elite. You got the, the Boses, Miles Garrett. Matthew Judon, it looks like Aiden Hutchinson's going to be the real deal. It looks like Trayvon Walker is going to be the real deal. 
I feel like every week last season, we, we, you know, you'd go through the matchup and every single team, every single week we were talking about, this team is a pass rusher that, that you need to neutralize. A lot of those guys from the interior too, I feel like down yeah. defensive tackle, like last year you saw Cam Hayward, DeForest Buckner, Quinn Williams. And that doesn't even talk about like Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, Dexter Lawrence. I feel like the, the D tackle or just those more interior guys been a good surplus there as well too coming in so this is kind of an objective way to measure this but i went on i'm on pff right Mm -hmm. and the 32nd best pass rush grade is and i have to pull it up because i have many numbers in my head like a team grade no 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 like player Okay. So Joey Bosa had the 32nd best pass rush grade <laughs> at an 82.4. 82.4 would be like the 17th best wide receiver grade, right? Things like that. So, yeah, it just feels like I, I was just trying to pull up the names of some of the pass rushers in the league right now. Miles Garrett, Chris Jones, Micah Parsons, um, Hassan Reddick, Aaron Donald, obviously, Nick Bosa, Jalen Phillips has been a hit. Josh Uche kind of coming on strong last year. Trey Hendrickson. There's just every team it feels like has a guy. Every team it feels like has a guy, which then again, the way we sort of weave these things together, are pass rushers as good as they've ever been or is the tackle shortage that bad? (laughs) The two might be related now that I think about it. Um, Mm -hmm. While we're on this top five defenses, somebody asked us to name our, rate our top five defense. I don't know about that. Uh, I did have this conversation on the Sports Hub podcast with Matt Dolliff. The other day, uh, the best defense in the AFC. I think it's a three-team race there. I think you have the Steelers. I think you have the Jets. And I think you have the Patriots. And the Steelers have the best front. I think the Jets have the best secondary. The Patriots, I think, are more balanced than the other two. But what the Patriots are missing, and this is what could put them over the top, and I'll pose this question to you, Brian, to sort of change this topic a little bit. The Steelers have two like elite, elite playmakers, right? They have TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick. The Jets have Quinton Williams and Sauce Gardner. The Patriots have Matthew Judon and. I don't know that they have another player that's like, they have more depth than those other teams, but do they have a guy, right? If we're going TJ Watt is the one, Minka Fitzpatrick is the second best player on the defense or Quinton Williams on the second, as the second best player on the defense at second, all pro caliber player now i think there's a couple guys it could be yeah like, I was do, like, they, do they have that guy and who do you, is there a guy on this defense besides judon that you think we at the end of the year we're saying yeah he's he's an all pro i think your best chance is christian gonzalez to develop into that guy Interesting. Um, In, but i'm talking like just this year not long term just this okay, year. Uh, so just this year i guess duggar then or i, don't, I think Barmore is going to have a big year, but I don't know all pro level, but so there's one more guy. I, so I, I think it's Duggar. I think yeah, that if I Duggar can, Duggar. and I don't know that he has to be as good as Minka Fitzpatrick, but if he can get into that Minka Fitzpatrick tier, which I don't, is that super unrealistic? Like, I don't think it is. I wouldn't say so. Then, then the Patriots probably have the best defense in the AFC. And then you can get into, you know, the Eagles and the Niners and whatever, who I still think are better than any team in the AFC. But, the one other guy, and I don't, I'm not confident in this, but like I could see it. Josh Uche had 11 sacks in what seven games to end last season. 
if he can get back on that pace and that's your pass rush duo, the Patriots defense is going to be the best defense in the league. I feel like we don't so much of the attention has been on the secondary and the versatility. I feel like the pass rush has kind of gone under the radar because that was their backbone last year. I think they were tied for third in the league in sacks. It was at Uche and Judon Dudo down, down the stretch. They should have a healthy Christian Barmore now. They added Keon White to that group. I think like that group should be even better this year and could really carry the defense again. Yeah, I'm with you. I am uh, with you on that one. All right, we'll, we'll do the Q&A in a second. If guys want to start, uh, if people, I'm reading Twitter at the same time because uh, I'm trying to get see when this Porzingis trade is going to happen. <laughs> if people want to start putting comments in the chat or questions in the chat, we'll start the, the Q&A in a second. But Brian, there is one more position we do have to do. Surplus or shortage. This is, I guess, the segment. Quarterback. Surplus or, or shortage. Uh, shortage. I don't think there's 32 guys in this league right now. <laughs> I'm with you. I think this is the easiest one. As much as everybody's hyping up the quarterback talent and the shortage is not as bad as it was three yeah. or four years ago. It was really bad a couple of years ago. I don't know that there's ever been a quarterback surplus. I, I really don't know that that's ever, by definition, I don't know that's ever happened. I think the talent in the league right now, there's as much talent as there's been in a while in the last 10 years. But I think there's still a shortage. Of quarterbacks, I don't think the NFL has enough capable quarterbacks right now. I, I when when you have guys like you look when you have a team like Washington that has Sam, Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett competing for the starting job, how are you going to sit here and tell me that there's not a shortage? Now maybe there's some guys that are backups on teams that are starting caliber quarterbacks, and we could sort of start mincing things that way, right? Do you consider Trey Lance and Sam Darnold starting caliber quarterbacks? I don't. Maybe some people do. I still don't know if there's enough of those guys to get to the 32 team, uh, 32 quarterback number. Yep. I'd agree. All right. Let's get in some questions here as we wait for the Celtics to make this trade. How does, uh, so this is interesting. We kind of touched on this yesterday. How does the safety position look now with the Jack Jones situation? It kind of takes Jonathan Jones out of the equation or Jalen Mills or Jalen Mills. It takes one of the two out of the equation. I think you're looking at a situation where Kyle Duggar is going to play a lot more deep than he is in the box. And you're going to see Miles Bryant more as a corner, as a safety. So I, I think it does impact it. When you have a positionless defense, that's just what's going to happen. Yep. All right, before we uh, get to the rest of the questions here, we're just going to thank our friends at FanDuel. Keep moving. Expectations for Ramondre Stevenson this season. Good. Hopefully, less, little less usage, so he can extend that Ramondre Stevenson play style throughout the whole season. But yeah, I'd expect him to. Obviously, he's going to be their lead back and the guy they lean on in that role. I would say maybe step back in the pass catching role, but yeah, he's going to be their main guy for as long as he can be and stay healthy. The one thing that worries me with him is, and it's not like his issue last year at Alabama, when things didn't work, Bill O'Brien's fallback was to run everything through the running back, run everything through Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs led the team in both rushing and receiving last year at Alabama. That's what the Patriots did. They can't go back to that. Like that can't be Bill O'Brien's fallback. So 
it's not to say it won't happen. It might, but I think honestly, less overall workload will be good for Stevenson this year, which it should be. Uh, Cause you saw it at the end of last season and he uh, pretty much admitted he was gassed. He, yeah. he was beat up. He was gassed. They ran him into the ground too early in the season. You can't do that. Cause you're going to need him in key late season games. And, and you can't have him, you know, when you're up 20 being the guy that's carrying the ball, let's hope they get up 20 at some point this year, being the guy that's carrying the ball to run out the clock. You just can't have that. They can't have games this year where there's only two running backs active because you see what happens. The long-term effect of that. It's really not good. Uh, here's another one. I'm psyched to see Bill O'Brien use lots of two tight end sets. How important in a part of the pass offense do you think they'll be the two tight end sets? From what we've seen through five spring practices, that looks like it's going to be their main personnel grouping. And and we'll see how that looks when hopefully Juju and Taekwon come back. Maybe they rely on a little less two tight ends. But Throughout the spring, it was Mike Kosicki and Hunter Henry on the field all the time together. So that looks like it's going to be a big part of their offense. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And the, the beauty of it, we've talked a lot about this. It's not going to be the true two tight end sets. You're going to see Mike Kosicki use more like a wide receiver than as a tight end. So that's they're going to be able to screw with defenses with that. It's the Ghost 12 and Ghost. Ghost 12, that's right. <laughs> or no, it was Cloudy 12, I think is what I found. Cloudy 12. Cloudy 12. <laughs> or uh, 11 and a half personnel. Yeah. Do we think the Jets are going to jet as usual? Honestly, I'm like so torn on the Jets because it all comes down to is Aaron Rodgers engaged or not. If they get FU stick it to the world, Aaron Rodgers, that team's going to be really good. But if they start slow, I don't put it past him to just check out in the thing to become an absolute dumpster fire, you know, Russell Wilson style last year. So I, I think people are a little too high on them. We, we, you need a way the potential versus the consistency. I think the potential is for them to be a top five team in the NFL. Can they be that consistent? I really doubt it. I, I just, it's not who Rogers has been in his career. Yeah. Their defense is going to be good, but it's up to Rogers. And I don't know. I just, something tells me he's not going to stay healthy this year. I don't know if it's because he like the first OTA practice, he had a little calf injury or I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, you said they could easily be in the AFC championship game or they could miss the playoffs. It's going to be an interesting to see how that unfolds. Is Sam Darnold good now? With Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I don't see no, it. I, I no. have no idea what the hell their plan is a quarterback, but it proves my point. Kyle Shanahan, not actually a good head football coach. Great offensive coordinator, great offensive mind, not a head coach. A lot of guys that are great coordinators, not good head coaches. I think Kyle Shanahan belongs on that list because they were handed. He he was handed an outstanding roster. Think about how much better that roster could be. Those three picks that they traded to Miami to draft Trey Lance essentially became Bradley Chubb, Jalen Waddle, and Tyree Kill. Imagine if you they could imagine if you gave Brock Purdy because they could have had Brock Purdy or just signed a quarterback off the street or drafted a quarterback in the middle rounds that year, that roster plus Tyreek Hill, <laughs> Jalen Waddle, Bradley Chubb. They had it. They had it. They were set. They were on their way to the best roster in the league, and he blew it because he's indecisive at quarterback. And I know people will say he's not the GM, John Lynch. John Lynch supposedly wanted Mac Jones. It was Shanahan that wanted Trey Lance. And I think Shanahan went out. So, Do they win the Super Bowl last year with Mac Jones? Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. They probably would have won it with Brock Purdy. 
I don't know if they would have won it. They would have made it with Brock Purdy had he stayed healthy in that NFC Championship game. So, At least they don't have Jimmy Garoppolo anymore. Yeah. That, well, they gave Jimmy Garoppolo an extension that they had no reason to give him. Yeah. And they like let him restructure. It, it's a mess. That whole team, that might be the best dumpster fire I've ever seen. Because the roster is insanely talented, but they also trip over themselves constantly. It's kind of ridiculous. Where does the Patriots offense and defense rank at the end of the year? We're, we do by points on the show. We don't do yards. You don't win a game by who has the most yardage on the scoreboard. So points, where do they rank? I Defense should be top 10. Yeah. Top five. No excuse for that. I think we both agree on that, right? Mm-hmm. Offense. So what were they with McDaniels? Like 14, 13? Sixth. They were the sixth they ranked def- offense in the NFL in 2021 with Mac Jones. I knew they were high. I didn't think they were that high point-wise. Yeah. So you bring in a competent offense coordinator. You upgrade the personnel. Yeah, the 27.2 points per game, six. Now they had a 50 okay. spot against the Jaguars. That kind of jacked that up. And another 50 spot against the Jets, but still. Call them a top 10 offense. I think they should be back in the top 10. If Bill O'Brien's the real deal and Adrian Clemens the real deal and he can get this tackle situation to work and Mac Jones gets back on track, this should be a top 10 offense. And I'll tell you this teams that rank in the top 10 on offense and defense generally make the playoffs. Not always. Actually, the only, I don't know if you've ever seen this thing, Brian. The only team to ever finish ranked first in offense and first in defense in the same season in points did not make the playoffs. The, the chart wasn't it the Chargers? The 2010 Chargers yeah. is a great YouTube video by John Boyce on that. Their special teams was so bad <laughs> that they had the top-ranked offense and the top-ranked defense in the league, and they had, like, four games that were close that they lost. Every, like, every other win was – every other game was a blowout. They had, like, four games that they lost close that they gave up special team touchdowns in all of them. They basically missed the playoffs because they cut Kasim Osgood. Like, that's what it came down to. But I think the Patriots should be top – should be top 10 in both if Bill – O'Brien is as advertised. Yep. You agree with that? Yeah, I'd say 10, 12, maybe, but yeah. I I think they should get in the top 10. I do. All right, let's see. Uh, All right, well, we're on the prediction game. Mac Jones, yardage and touchdown predictions. So our pals at FanDuel have his passing yard total at 3,275 and a half. I'll take the over on that. Yeah. I'll take the over on that. Yeah, I think he could be over there. They don't have... Especially, honestly, if they're losing games and he's throwing. And he's got to, yeah. See what his pace was last year, but... So you're you the over on that. He was at... He was three yards under 3,000 last year, and that was when he missed... What did he miss? Four, three or four games? Yeah, so his 17-game pace last year was 3,600 yards. Yeah, so that's over by 300 yards. Yeah. So but I'll take the over. And then touchdowns, they don't have his line, but he was 22 his rookie year, 14 last I th- year. I think it was 28. His rookie year? No, the the line. We, d- we did oh. this with Mike once. The, the line was like 28. 28 sounds a little high, but... All right, I'm going to give you two more numbers. You tell me. Or three numbers, really. Okay. Uh, completion percentage, 67%. Mac Jones, over, under. And I'll tell you what these numbers are at the end. 
67% over under slightly over, but over. Okay. 67.2 over under. That's the exact number for what I'm using. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd lean over. Okay. Uh, passing yards, 3,205 over touchdowns. 15, 15. Yeah. <laughs> Over. There, there, there's a rhyme and reason to what I'm doing here. Is this last year's numbers? Nope. That's well, it is somebody's numbers last year. That's Daniel Jones. That's what Daniel Jones did last year. And he got 40 million a year. <laughs> right. Right. Well, so the other number, I guess that fa- there's two other numbers that factor into that. Rushing Mac, yards and... So yeah, Mac Jones is not going to run for 700 yards and seven touchdowns. So let, let's, let's do this then. Um, so you seven rushing touchdowns plus 15, 22 over under 22 touchdowns for Mac Jones. Well, he said the other day at practice, he had five rushing touchdowns at him. So <laughs> uh, I'll go total. I'd go over on the total. That's only six multi-touchdown games Yeah, that he would need to get that number. And then this is the one, honestly, was really going to come down to interceptions over under five. Over. Over meaning he throws more. Yeah. Yeah. In this case, over is less favorable number, but those are Daniel Jones numbers. Those are Daniel Jones numbers. That that's what Mac Jones needs to get to. If he wants to get that contract. So, uh, all right, let's see what else. Certainly we Certainly possible. And you were ready for that. Good job. You saw that question, right? You're ready. Yeah. Good job. Uh, between the USFL, a, you know, just USFL, <laughs> XFL, they're not semi-pro leagues. They're professional leagues. That's different. Semi-pro league is like local league. Are there any quarter cornerbacks that could replace Jack Jones? I did have uh, in my post this morning on 985thesportshub.com. I went into this and the USFL just released their all-pro well, team for the season uh, today. This there were a few Patriots team. on it, I believe. There were. I actually haven't looked at the whole thing yet, but it, there, there must have been. One guy I had on there was Brian Allen, who's a 6'3 corner for the Birmingham Stallions. Um, He's just the best USFL corner, so if they're going to go with the guy, that's probably it. DJ Daniel made the all-pro team, wasn't he? Wasn't he with the Patriots for a stint? Is DJ Daniel with the Patriots? Maybe. Uh, Honestly, I don't really remember that stuff. Joined New England's practice squad in January 2022. There you go. So... They had they had four four for former Patriots. Who were the other ones? Corey Coleman. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, Patriots legend Corey Coleman. John Atkins, okay. and I'm not going to say this right. Kaiva Tazino, a linebacker. Uh, you did say that right. Yeah, he was a UDFA in I want to say 2020. 2020. Yep. So none of those guys I think actually appeared in games for the Patriots, but. But some there's pipeline there, I guess, if they want to dip into those waters. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, how do we think the Texans are going to do? Going to address some Texan stock. They what? They win two, three games last year. Three, because they won one too many. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like C.J. Stroud, and. I think they got a really good offensive line in front of them. And I like D'Amico Ryans, but I mean, I don't think we're talking about competing for anything right out of the gate here, but I mean, Nick Casario, he took some swings in the draft. So I I liked what they did, but I I still don't know how many wins that's going to correlate to this year right out of the gate. 
I think they could have a sneaky strong record, and I'll tell you why. That division sucks. That's, that's true, yeah. That division sucks. If they take three of the four against the Colts and Titans, like the Jaguars are going to be good, but let's say they take three or four against the Colts and Texans, right? Four more wins. Can you find four more wins on their schedule? They're a borderline playoff team. So I, they're probably going to be, I don't think they're going to be as good as their records going to end up suggesting, but like, it wouldn't surprise me if they're not, well, I guess they're not picking in the top 10 next year, no matter what they traded that pick right <laughs> to the Cardinals, but it would not, the Cardinals have two, one that, that pick might not end up being in the top 10 is my point. Uh, that would not surprise me. Is John Mechie playing this year? He's, I mean, he's been practicing. I don't know yeah. if they've like totally cleared him. That's probably a way away, but he's, been back on the field in the spring so yeah they'll get him back as well which will be big yeah so i mean they have a good offensive line they have mechie dalton schultz robert woods uh damian pierce is a dog and devin singletary so you know they have a strong core around stroud but you know in that division they could maybe make some noise i guess we'll see what do we think the odds are that the Patriots sign both Hopkins and Dalvin Cook? Incredibly low. Low, yes. Incredibly low. I think they get Hopkins. I, I don't bad. think Cook's in play. I don't think they're going to want to pay him. We talked about this yesterday. I don't really think they need him. I don't think they have a ton of need for him. So, Especially for the $5 million that he reportedly wants. So, Right. Uh, what else? Okay. Coordinators. Surplus or shortage certainly felt like there was a shortage last year on offense. That's a harder one to gauge. That, that's yeah. honestly a harder one to gauge. I, Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of coaches that just, they're like basically the coordinator, but play caller right. coordinator. It's so like Andy Reed's a really good offensive coordinator, but do we count him as available as a coordinator yeah. or not? Or, you know, how many teams have got like three or four guys on their staff that probably could be offensive coordinators, but that's just where they're at. That's a really tricky one to answer. It's a good question. It's a good question, but that's kind of a tricky one. Uh, what else we got? Raiders over under six and a half total touchdowns on the year. I'm going over <laughs> now wins. Uh, I, I, I don't know the, the quarterback situation is such a mess. You ever notice that pretty much any team Jimmy Garoppolo is on, the quarterback situation is a mess? wonder that why. Can't be, that, that, that can't be a coincidence, right? Um, <laughs> hey, but he's such a winner. I mean, how many such games? A winner. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. The amount of times I had to talk Mike through this crap. Is he a pro Jimmy guy? Yes. <laughs> I finally found another person who sees – uh, sees behind the curtain that is Jimmy not, Garoppolo's career. I didn't know this, Brian. Thank you. Uh, I am not a Jimmy guy. He was <laughs> everywhere he goes. He's hurt. There's problems. You have teammates from here that have bad mouthed him publicly before, after, but but Kyle Shanahan wins all these games with him, so he's deserves sixty million dollars or whatever it is. It's, Somebody go tell Mike. I'm not a hater. I'm not. Thank you. Somebody who gets it. Do you know what percentage of games that Jimmy Gar So, all right, throw out when he was backing up Brady. It's the four games Brady was suspended. I'm not even including when he first got traded to San Francisco because remember they said they were going to sit him for a while. So, including the four games Brady was suspended 
and from his first start in San Francisco on, do you know what percentage of games Jimmy Garoppolo was supposed to start that he actually started? <laughs> I don't even it's know. It's just over 50%. It, yeah, I was going to say like 40 maybe, but... And until last year, the percentage of games he's finished that he was supposed to finish was under 50%. Jimmy Garoppolo's win-loss record might be the most misleading statistic in all of sports. Yep. Said that for a long time. So I'm, I'm so I, Evan didn't agree with me. Ryan didn't agree with me. Mike didn't agree with me. Finally, I got you. <laughs> finally, somebody gets it. Where are you on Jared Stidham? Uh, I, I mean, it's Jared Stidham. I don't really know. I don't have a thank you. Like... <laughs> thank you. Oh, but he tore it up last year when he got to start. Yeah, he was throwing Devontae Adams and. And, and I'm trying to remember who was healthy in that game, but like Renfro, I think Hunter, and... I think they were all healthy actually. And Hunter Renfro, Fro, and Darren Waller. That game, I remember that game happened, and people use that as a case of look at that. They should have kept Stidham over Mac Jones because look at what Stidham's doing. No, that's not the argument. The <laughs> argument there is look at what happens when you put great weapons even around a below average quarterback like Jared Stidham. Look at what happens. Try putting those weapons around Mac and see what happens. Finally, finally, somebody who sees the quarterback position <laughs> logically. Yes. All right, let me give you one more because I got a lot of hate for this one. In 2021, when we weren't sure if they were going to draft Mac Jones or not, we were doing the free agents. And like, will Cam Newton come back? And are they going to be in on Andy Dalton and whatever? My take was, if they're going to bring back a former Patriot quarterback, because both guys were available at the time, I wanted Jacoby Brissett more than I wanted Jimmy Garoppolo. I wanted Cam Newton more than I wanted Jimmy Garoppolo. Where are you on that? I thought going into that offseason, it would be they'd bring back Cam and draft someone. I didn't know about first round, but that's where I was at. But I would have preferred Jacoby over Jacoby and draft someone over paying Jimmy Garoppolo to be a multi-year starter. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Finally. I got you. <laughs> Let me go tell Mike he's wrong. You guys have any other questions here? Uh, the best Jimmy moment was when Trey Lance got hurt last year and everyone's like, oh, well, they have this winner in and then he loses to the Broncos 11-10 or whatever it was. <laughs> when he got hurt, you can go, it's on my timeline. I tweeted, as soon as Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, the San Francisco 49ers are about to go to the NFC Championship game with Brock Purdy as their quarterback. And with, I I remember that, yeah. <laughs> it, but, but the problem is that was supposed to prove that it wasn't the quarterback in that, you know, that was supposed to prove that, oh, it is the system. You can win without a good quarterback. You know, Jimmy's not a good quarterback. This is all uh, circumstance. And I thought I was finally going to get my evidence. Instead, all of these idiots now think Brock Purdy's some great quarterback. <laughs> like, can you guys just... Once, once. Um, speaking of bad quarterbacks, uh, and by the way, I do think Purdy's better than Jimmy, but I would not. People wanted to trade Mac for him straight up. No, what did folks say about Brock Osweiler after he beat the Pats? Everyone thought he was the next Brett Favre. He sucks. When did Brock Osweiler beat the Pats? Was that the snow game, the Chris Harper game? Was he, he the quarterback in that game? I oh, think he Peyton was, was hurt. yeah. He was. You're right. Yeah, he was never the next Brett Favre. Never, never. 
John Elway just likes tall quarterbacks. I thought and the only trend he tried to throw us off the set, the set by trading for Russell Wilson. I thought the only trend Brock Osweiler might have started was when they gave up a good draft pick to move his contract, like NBA yeah. style or something. I thought that might have caught on, but then it never really did. So well, teams realized that made no sense. Just don't sign players to bad contracts. Yeah. <laughs> so don't sign Brock Osweiler to right. big money contract. All right. Do we wish we had Darnell Washington? Yeah, I was a big Darnell Washington guy during the draft. I, In theory, yes. I wish the Patriots had drafted Darnell Washington. I do. What I will say is I I don't I, – I never give the guy physical. I don't have access to his medical records. I don't have access to, to the results of the physical he took with NFL teams. If he fell as long as he did, there's a reason. And I don't mind them not taking a chance – on a six foot eight, two hundred seventy pound tight end with a bad knee, I, I don't mind them passing up on those circumstances. So if his knee is as bad as clearly the majority of the teams in the NFL thought, and they would, you know, he went in the fourth round, so they were going to have to use a somewhat premium pick on him. I have no problem with them passing in that situation. Sucks. I wish he was healthy. If if he was healthy, I'd be more annoyed. But if he's really hurt, I'm okay with it. And by the way, I feel the same way about Dewan Jones. Nope. I do wish they dipped into that tight end class a little earlier, but it is what it is at this point. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, any uh, any other takes before we jump over here to, to close things out? I don't see anything. Shall we just rip the Boston Sports Minute? Yeah, if I can find the graphic. I don't think it's in here. Did we lose it? It looks like they cleaned out the graphics. We might have lost it. All right, we got to text and meet and see what happened to the Boston Sports Minute graphic. But uh, Boston Sports Minute, the latest report, which was right before we came on the air, hence why I was flustered, <laughs> is that the Celtics are the in the middle of a three-team deal at this point with the Wizards and Clippers. The deal would send Kristaps Porzingis to Boston. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon goes to the Clippers. Along with, uh, or no, Danilo Gallinari goes to the Wizards, as does Marcus Morris from LA. The Wizards also pick up a first round pick from the Clippers. Brian, before we get into our takes on it, I want to give you an old take. This is from Ian Begley of uh, SNY in New York from 2017. Sources Boston offered NYK its number three pick a player and an additional lottery pick that if they think they can acquire tonight and trade for Kristaps Porzingis. So was that Brown or Tatum? So hang on in oh. 2017, the Celtics offered the third overall pick for Kristaps Porzingis. The Knicks said, no, we want the third overall pick and Jalen Brown. Okay. So. The Celtics instead <laughs> didn't make the trade held on to Jalen Brown and used that pick on Jason Tatum. So in 2017, and a lot of people wanted this at the time, the Celtics almost traded Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to the Knicks for Kristaps Porzingis. Here we are six years later. They're going to get Kristaps Porzingis for Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari. So I, I, that's not really to, uh, I, it's not supposed to be a gotcha or anything like that. It's just thought a little history lesson might be fun. A little bit better of a deal, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess I like it. I wouldn't say like I'm in love with it. I think they did. They needed another front court option. They had so many guards. You figured someone would go from there. 
Um, but there's injury history, as there is with Malcolm Brogdon. That's obvious. And but I mean, he's a he's coming off a career year. I think it was Kevin O'Connor on the Rainer had a really good article going around on on Twitter, breaking down some of the advanced metrics on uh, Porzingis's career year last year. He was a better defensive player. He got a this best year in the post score. So I think they had to do something here, and so. So I like the addition, I'd say. I'm with you. I, I really like it. I think if with Joe Mazzulla being back, and I'm, I think people know where I stand on Joe Mazzulla, but with Joe Mazzulla being back, we heard it pretty strong last year. They don't like, the players don't like how offensively focused Joe Mazzulla is. He doesn't really seem to care much about defense. If they're only going to care about offense, build a roster that backs that up. And a seven foot three guy that can shoot the deep ball is that guy. He's also... He was one of, and this might be from the same article you're talking about, the advanced metrics. He is one of the best pick and roll players currently in the NBA. He was last year, one of the best pick and roll players in the NBA. So you get the two man game going with him and Tatum is great. I, you know, people are going to talk about the injuries, which is a fair critique, but one, he played a career high or not a career high, but he played 65 games last year, which is the most he's played since his second year in the league. Well over his average Two. We're going to pretend Malcolm Brogdon didn't have injury issues. So you swap that and they need to thin out the front court. Anyway, I like that. They kept Marcus smart. Maybe now they keep Peyton Pritchard, even, you know, with this and he becomes that third guard behind smart and white. And I like Pritchard. And the other thing, according to Adam Himmelsbach, this means no more Grant Williams, which is a win-win because he's now your, your stretch for Kristaps uh, Porzingis, if, and when this deal happens. So, I like it. I like it. I think it's a good deal. I think they're moving in the right direction. Malcolm Brogdon was a good pickup last year. Obviously, one six-man of the year was a contributor. You have to wonder what happens if he stays healthy in the playoffs. But they, they had too many guards. They needed more size. And he's the guy to move. You're not going to trade Derek White. You're not going to trade Marcus Smart for locker room reasons. He was the guy to trade. And Danilo Gallinari would have been cool to see him play for the Celtics. He's a player I like. But I think Kristaps Porzingis, if he's on, is essentially a foot taller version of Danilo Gallinari. So I'm all, I'm all in on this trade. Yep. They'll have some intriguing, those front court uh, lineups, how they want to do that, because, you know, you can have him and Al out there and still stretch the full stretch the floor. You know, he provides more scoring obviously than a guy like Robert Williams. So, but I don't know. Like, do you think they have to add another body that, I mean, they'll still have Luke Cornett, I believe, but, like relying on all three of those guys, it, it, it's risky business. It seems like, but I still think they need to add another guy. Like, may, and maybe that's through the draft. Maybe they'll play a yeah. rookie this year. You know, and they're they're supposedly trying to move up from the thirty fifth pick in the draft. Yeah, they'll need to add another big. But they can find another big for the minimum. I'm not. I'm not super worried about that. They can go get a guy like a Brook Lopez or somebody like that. I who I think is a free agent who you should be able to get. Um. You should be able to get on on a you know hey we're going to try to win a title come here and play here mid level so. exception or something yeah mid level exception something like that and they should I think he was on, Porzingis is on the one year player option so it should be a little more cap flexibility next year too if Brown signs the supermax I don't know if the new CBA would allow them to re-sign and trade him next off season but so yeah I gotta. 
that, that's on my to-do list tomorrow is to learn the new NBA. Yeah. So are you buying, are you buying the Leroy report or not? The ghost of Leroy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. He had, look, he's gotten he's, some he's, stuff right. Yeah. He had Rogers to the Jets. And he, he had Kamala as the vice president for Joe Biden. He's nothing to like completely ignore. Like I saw that this morning. I'm like, all right, I can't put this to like, you can't totally rule it out. I don't think it legally could be a sign and trade though. I think it like he meant probably a trade and extension, but um, yeah. So you can't completely rule that out. All right. So a lot going on with the Celtics. They hired a coach too, right? Yeah. They, they're doing that every day now. I feel yeah. like, like they, they're at like 30 assistant coaches at this point, which they'll probably need because they're sticking with Joe Missoula. But a lot going on with the a- Celtics. He has a Tatum connection, it sounds like. He from, played from with Duke. him, too. Yeah, he's so, played yeah. with him. Yeah. So that's that's good. Yeah. Any other Boston news? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Red Sox are hitting now. Mm-hmm. It, it'll, it comes and goes. They're not consistent. And NHL, really, they don't do a lot of this head-of-the-time stuff. I mean, we'll get it July 1st. We'll get hit with it full force. Oh, I don't think we mentioned Bruce Cassidy winning the Cup. Yeah, yeah, that's on that. I mean, I'm with Feller on that one. That is a brutal look for the Bruins. It's, that is a brutal look. You ran that guy out of town. I remember I tweeted that night that you know this is a bad move and whatever. And people are saying, "Oh, well, he can't win in the playoffs. He's a choker." Da, 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 da. Really, really? <laughs> Do we still think he was the problem? Because I don't. I never did, but now I know he was never the problem. So good for him. I'm happy for him. He he, he was the fall guy, and and the Bruins did him wrong, and. For him to come back just the next year and win a title is awesome. Yeah, it was. This team just loves stacking embarrassments on embarrassments. But yep, I don't know. I still like when they fired him. I was like, he's like the scapegoat. But I don't know. Looking back at that season that they just had, I think, I think they made a, a semi right move with Montgomery. It's hard to. Really, oh, yeah, like I think they just felt like they hit their ceiling with Cassidy. They needed a new voice, and he just landed in a the ideal situation on that Vegas. What I would say to that, and I look, I don't think Montgomery's a bad hire. Yeah. I think he's a fine coach. I would have just simply just not fired Cassidy. If they hit their ceiling with Cassidy, yet it's now, and this is kind of my point. If they've hit their ceiling with Cassidy, yet it's now proven Cassidy can win a Stanley Cup as a coach. So where's the issue? That's like the Sweeney and Neely, they didn't give him the team for him right. to win a cup. Because how many times has Bruce Cassidy over the years been yelling that I want more scoring on the back end from the D Corps? And he goes to Vegas, who is just loaded back there and just steamrolls through everyone. They gave him like seven combined games of Hampus Lindholm and Charlie McAvoy and McAvoy ended up getting hurt in the playoffs or that might've been COVID or something against Carolina last year. But yeah, it's, they had a Stanley cup winning coach and they kicked them out. That's I guess exactly how you look at that. Exactly. All right. I think that, that, that just about wraps it up. Hopefully right. next week we have some actual, news to discuss maybe some hopkins probably not but we'll see we'll be back either way so turn on your patriots press pass notifications and subscribe if you haven't to know when we go live 
Until then, you can follow Alex on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. Read all of his work over at 985thesportshub.com. You can follow me on Twitter at IamBrianHimes and read all my work over at PabsPulpit.com. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you next week.